Hey everybody, this is Chuck Conyers from the Cinepop Movie Cast, inviting you all to follow us on Instagram. That's right, we have a new Instagram account. If you go to Instagram and you enter in Cinepop Movie Cast as one full word, that's C I N E P O D M O V I E C A S T, you'll find us there. So check us out. Now on with the show. barren waste without the taste of water water hello everyone welcome to the cinepod movie cast i'm chuck conyers and i am jose joel zuletta welcome well mr zuletta what amazing times we live in i'm telling you where you can just go call up an app Your Netflix, let's say, because, you know, you want to just, you know, look at something. Because, you know, Mr. Zulueta come from an era where if we wanted to see something, we'd have to go to the video store sure. and hope and pray that it was available, especially for a new release. <laughs> What was it, like every Tuesday or something? Yeah, and something we, like that. And we would yeah. circle around a room yep. looking desperately for entertainment. Yeah, and um, even if it was something that we really wanted, we had to go on a guest, uh, a, a waiting list. Oh man! And, yeah, and hope that we could hope the clerk would keep our copy of the movie that we wanted. <laughs> um, and um, you know, there was also a time when you know you kind of pretty much knew when stuff was happening, stuff was going to come out, and you know you'd uh, wait. You'd see, you'd hear about something that was going to be made. You'd be like, "Oh, cool!" Then yeah. uh, a year or two later, this thing would come out, and you were like, "Oh, cool!" And <laughs> then um, they would be in the theater for a few months, maybe several months, and then it would go away. And then six to eight to nine months later, it was on video or DVD and VHS or whatever. Right. So, color me surprised, sir. When I, on Friday night, went on Netflix, it was around 9, 9.30, and I was, you know, I was winding down, I was going to put on a little something, uh, you know, um, I've been watching this Ken Burns Western, The West, it's called, uh, which is about the um, the manifest destiny of uh, developing the, the uh, Old West, um, how we moved out. That is interesting, considering uh-huh. that when I called up Netflix... On my Apple TV, uh-huh. what do I see? <laughs> But the ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes. The brand new Coen Brothers film. Not the trailer yeah. for it, because they typically, sometimes when something's coming soon, they'll have like, it's a, it's a big banner head, and they'll have like, play trailer. Or so. No, it said, uh, oh no, it's here. It's here for you to play. Movie. It's the whole effing movie. <laughs> Now, I knew this was coming, and I think we talked about this before, that, that um, the Coen Brothers' new movie was coming right. to Netflix. Had no idea, was not expecting it. Yeah. So I was delighted to see it, so... Yeah. What was I Good gonna... on Netflix, man. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They are totally upsetting the entire industry, I think. Um... I can only see good things about it because, let's face it, it's really hard to get to movies these days. That's right. Especially if you're taking care of someone or if you've got kids or if it's bad weather out there. And it's just so much more convenient. And it's always good to have movies like these like uh, available to you. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So... Seeing that um, it was on the Netflix, seeing that I was pleasantly surprised by it, I decided to watch it. Now I couldn't. Um, I now this was like 9:30 at night. This was like a, this was like a two and a half hour movie practically. Yeah. So I had to finish watching it the next day. But um, mm-hmm. the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Now I have to tell you that I went into this movie completely cold <laughs> I had the no, best way I had no idea now and even from the little like preview that they played you know on the masthead on the on the main screen yeah 
even showing scenes from it and stuff like that. I had no idea what I had no idea what it was. No mm-hmm. clue. And so you know, I started watching it. Now before we get into this, I just want to say and it should go without saying at this point, but if you're new to Cinepod Movie Cast, I should let you know that um, we are a spoilery show. We spoil oh, yeah. everything. So if you've never, if you haven't seen this movie yet, stop the podcast, watch this movie, and then come back and listen to what we're about to say. Because, sir, yeah. I have to tell you now. I, I do want to hear about what you thought of this movie, but I'm bracing myself. Go ahead. I have to tell you that I love the Coen Brothers. I've <gasps> seen every one of their movies, every single one of their movies. Okay. This is by far one of the best things that they've ever done. This wow. is a fucking masterpiece. Wow. I was blown away. I was really, I was pleasantly surprised, and I was uh-huh. completely blown away. Uh-huh. So that's, you know, I'm not definitely not bearing the lead about how I feel. That's, um... <laughs> Don't hold back, Charles. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm letting it all out, sir. I'm letting <laughs> it all out. And again, I have to, and I really do have to stress, I saw this the same way I saw Fargo. Fargo, uh, I saw that in the theater. I saw it opening night, I believe, or opening weekend at least. Uh-huh. Had no idea what it was. Yeah. No clue. And, I mean, these 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 gentlemen, the, the, these fine, upstanding fellows, <laughs> um, they are a treat to see when you know what they're doing. But... They're even more so when you have no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. So, so, sir? Yeah? What did you think of this movie? And then wow. we, we can really dive in and start talking about it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be non-spoilery here. Um, <laughs> to put it simply and to compare this with the Beatles, Yes. I would have to say this is their white album. Wow. Because it's like... A, this is like the, the cones at their peak form, mm. and, it, and it seems like they threw everything against the wall and <laughs> see what stuck. And thankfully, most of it was just really amazing. Yeah, I haven't seen the last two Cone Brothers movies because, um, or for, for whatever reason, but uh, this one seems to be a return to form for them. Mm. This is like uh this is like fargo or blood simple yeah it's just like they're really funny in this one yeah and they seem to be more um it's like their compositions here are just, just seems very precise yep and it's just really beautiful to look at yeah and halfway through the movie i was going man i really should be seeing this in a theater you know, I had the same thought too. I had the same thought too. Like this would really be beautiful on the big. I would go out of my way, yeah, to see this on the big screen because it is a yeah. gorgeous movie. It's beautiful, yeah, beautifully shot. Yep, and uh, and it's kind of funny too because in some ways it's not really a western. You know, it kind of subverts the western in some ways. A little bit little bit but i but it's but it is very much i think the heart of it anyway is very much a western i mean these are all stories of that's why it was such a, a coincidence that i've been watching this of uh, that ken burns series the west uh-huh. yeah. you know because this is very much kind of like this um even one of the stories is is kind of has this manifest destiny um uh, angle to it you know and um Oh right! It is this, you know, westward expansion story, and it's um, the story of America kind of becoming comfortable with growing and mm-hmm. uh, becoming this bigger thing, not really mm-hmm. knowing what the future will bring, but just moving forward with all this kind of like gusto and and energy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and their attention to detail certainly gives it a lot of believability to it. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like the uh, like the story with the uh, prospector, the gold prospector. That was fascinating stuff. Yes, yes, and and wondering what he was doing. Yeah, because you'd see him, he would find he would be panning around, he'd find some gold pieces. Uh huh. He's like, ah, fuck that, and he'd wash it away. I'm like, wait, what is he doing? Yeah, I know, right? Those are like little pieces of gold. Yeah. I I would have kept that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he's looking for Mister Pocket. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, hey, how about we we start chronologically? Yes. We we, we work down. <laughs> well, let's let's even talk about the uh, the opening titles where you see this really old book yes. in the beginning. Yes. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even then, uh-huh. wasn't really sure what they were doing and, and what they were trying to do. You know, okay. with the name being as it was, right. you thought, or I thought anyway, mm-hmm. that this is, you know, this Buster Scruggs character was someone that we were going to be following throughout the movie. Ah, and, ah, but if you go into the inside cover, though, it's like it has the full title of the movie, which is... Yes, and other, it says, and other Western tales or something like that. Right, yeah. yeah. Other tales of the American frontier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, since since we all have the luxury of being able to, to pause the yes. screen, mm-hmm. it's like, they... They really fully thought everything out. Yeah. Because it's like on the other side of the page, there's like a copyright 1873 by yeah. um, by a certain publisher. And then the next page, there was a dedication page to this guy named Gaylord Gilbert yes. or something like that. That's right. Oh, it's very <laughs> like, it's very meticulous. Um, yeah. It really is. Even down to the um, the final page of the first page and the final page of the story, of each of the stories. Yes. Um, which we'll get to uh, more of that later, because it's really poignant in one of the stories. We, we chatted about it on Facebook briefly, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. one of them where I was just like, wow, that's powerful stuff. These would have made such great short stories. Yeah. Absolutely. By themselves. I mean, these guys are such talented writers, and they have a way with words. Yes. I love it. Yes. Uh, um, but the first story, yeah, um, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. <laughs> yeah. Now, again, I'm watching this, and uh-huh. I'm thinking, okay, I guess this is the movie. It's this kind of like Ferris Bueller type thing. Where the, you know, it's talking, <laughs> talking to the audience, the horses talking to, kind of, and um, it's very like, you know, he walks into that saloon on the edge of town, he uh-huh. pats the dirt off of him and walks away, and you see the dirt outline kind of of his body, and it fades away slowly. Such a cool shot. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, oh, wow, this is like a musical. I guess this is a <laughs> musical western. No, this is fun. <laughs> And uh, just some of the stuff that this Buster Scruggs, he's just slick as shit. Yeah. You know, just, you know, just with such ease, disarming people, taking people out. And it, like, it's nothing to him. And yeah. talking to the audience the whole time, like, oh, well, this is going, this here's going to be, uh, here's another one trying to get over on me like, or something like that. Like all the little <laughs> asides that he was doing. The song never fails to ease my mind out here in the West, where the distances are great and the scenery monotonous. Additionally, my pleasing baritone seems to inspire old Dan here and keep me in good heart during the day's measure of hoof clops. Ain't that right, Dan? <laughs> Maybe some of y'all have heard of me. Buster Scruggs, known to some as the San Saba Songbird. That's just hilarious. Such an unassuming guy, but he was like pretty dangerous. Yep, and uh, Tim Blake Nelson plays uh, Buster Scruggs. Well, they, and he even shows he has a there's a wanted poster calls him by uh, what does it call him? A misanthrope. Yes, misanthrope. I don't hate my fellow man, even when he's tiresome and surly and tries to cheat at poker. I figure that's just the human material. 
and him it finds in it calls for anger and dismay is just a fool for expecting better. <laughs> and up until, you know, he has the gunfight in the street, takes oh the guy out, gosh. and then this man in black, because um, Buster Scruggs is a man in white, this man mm-hmm. in black shows up and says, you know, I'm, I'm challenging you, I'm calling you out. Now, at that point, that's when I start to think, wait a minute, Buster Scruggs is clearly going to get shot. Mm-hmm. Just the way they set it all up. So is this? The, yeah. So I'm thinking, is this the story of like a fallen gunslinger who's going to return to glory? Is this um, like what I? I started getting you know a little like put oh, like what's what's go okay? This guy's clearly going to get shot. So what's going to happen now? Uh-huh. And um, wasn't he expecting for him to get shot in the head? The revelation <laughs> of it. He takes oh, off his that's hat. Oh, so beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> and everything after that, the falling body, the, the man in black walking away singing. Let me tell you, buddy, there's a faster gun coming over yonder when tomorrow comes. Let me tell you, buddy, and it won't be long Till you find yourself singing your last cowboy song They show Buster Scruggs' body and then his ghost comes out of the body and starts singing a <laughs> duet with the guy. His harp appears and he just flies away and just flies off into head. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is one of the most clever things I have seen in a long time. It's ballsy filmmaking. Yep. I have to say. And they got away with it. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Cones. That's exactly right. And then when it fades out and then it goes to the next story, that's when I was like, okay, this is an anthology. Alright, I'm alright, I'm with I got I got you got me. I'm with this all the way. <laughs> And you know know what I like about it, too, is that they're all the right length. Yes. They didn't outstay their welcome. I I have to admit, I was starting to get a little restless with the uh, Buster Scruggs story. Okay, well, he's pretty darn invincible. How's how's there going to be any complication to this story? Until they threw the uh, the curve of uh, the guy in black shooting him. Well, the song in the bar went a little long. Okay. I thought that was like that was that was getting to the point where I was like, okay, this song could have gone two bars, and that would have been, not two bars, but you know, like it's the 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 lyrics, chorus, lyrics, chorus, and then we're done. But it went on like I thought it went on a little long, <laughs> and um, but then you know, like you said, it it plays out beautifully and um, yeah. gets you into the next story. The next story is. Yes. Um, now, one of the, the devices that I loved in this movie were the mm-hmm. color plates. Oh, I love it. And and that piece of paper that protects the plate yes. before it. Oh, yes. my God. I love that. <laughs> now, anyone who's gone to, like, I, you know, back in the day before we had the internet, I used to go to libraries all the time. And mm-hmm. I, um, I looked through a plenty of old books. And that's a really weird, that's a real thing. They had the... They would have a color plate, but they would have vellum over the color plate so the um, color wouldn't bleed onto the other side of the page. There you go. So that was what I saw that. I saw the vellum, and I was like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) These guys are no fucking joke. (laughs) And I love that the the pictures and the caption at the bottom really don't give anything away. That's right. In the story. Especially for the next story, which is a near Algodonese or something. I, I can't pronounce uh, that. Near Algodonese, I guess? yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, it was the guy covered in <laughs> pots and pans <laughs> running, running, saying, pan shot at the bottom of it. <laughs> oh, I was like, what God. the hell is this? Does anyone really say pan shot? <laughs> or is that a uh, cone creation? Gotta uh, be a cone creation. You know, there. I, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe because uh-huh. there are a lot of things in this, like um, uh-huh. the um, the gal who got rattled. There's the, I mean, which is probably probably the best story told here. Probably. 
I'll agree with you there. Um, but um, we'll get to that in a moment. But there, there's an aspect of that where there's a they, they, there's a device used in that that I wasn't sure if they made that up or if that was something that was common in the Old West. Uh, but okay. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, great. Now, near all Godinus is uh, that has James Franco as the bank robber right. in the story, and yeah. how he escaped uh, a hanging, yeah, and, and um, eventually made it to a second one. <laughs> that was, um, I believe, he had the line. This is your first time, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Which was used in the trailer, and I wish I didn't see the trailer because that was such a great line, <laughs> and I, I kind of think that the uh, the Coen brothers created this story around that one line because it's so brilliant. <laughs> one of the things that um, like basically a, a very, um, I think there's maybe one other time that you see Native Americans in this story. And this is a, this is a film, I mean, this is a, one of the segments where that happens was you you get, you have an encounter with a tribe of Native American warriors. And I don't know what tribe they were from. That's just Comanche. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think they were yeah. Comanche. Yeah. This is my only problem with the movie. And, okay. and, I, and it's not to say that it's not, it's not dishonest. It's it's pretty fair when you consider history, when you mm-hmm. consider how history was written. Right. You know, things like that. Right. The Native American characters in this film are just seen merely as savages. Okay. Murderous savages. And mm-hmm. it really discounts their story with um, how they dealt with Western expansion and quite frankly invaders from another country coming in and stealing, literally stealing their land. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. again, I think a a great companion, I'm going to mention this West show, the the West again, because I really do think to, to get a real like a full understanding of the experience of uh, what happened uh, when this country became this country mm-hmm. to understand it from their perspective, from the, from the first nations perspective, mm-hmm. you know, you, you really start to grapple with, who you um, who your who your um, who your feelings are more aligned with? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Do you feel bad for any of these people when they yeah. encounter these tribes? Right. Do you right. feel? Or do you do you feel sorry for? Oh, we're gonna get to all gold. Can- oh, not all gold canyon. We're gonna get to uh, the gal who got rattled because that very much sure. caused this question, um, conjures up this question of, yeah. should we really feel bad for these people, mm-hmm. all things considered? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have to admit, it's like the, that thought has crossed my mind. You know, these were kind of the uh, stereotypical quote-unquote Indians that we used to see on movies and television. But, um, you know, but... Hey, they're basing this story on a supposed book that was written in 1873. That's so. right. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. But that's oh, but that being said, um, the the encounter that he has with the uh, Comanche warriors in in this, you kind of do get a sense of humanity from the Comanche because they don't kill him. Oh yeah. They just kind of, I guess they assume maybe that he's going to die anyway. Yeah, I was just like, remember, he kind of laughed when he uh, yeah, that's right. startled the horse. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Left into his fate, and I thought that was a great jam that the uh, James Franco character is in, because the horse was like getting farther and farther away from the tree, and he was like getting more and more strangled, yes. which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I love how they show it. Like, he's just, you know, it's a barren land, so there's not a lot of, there's not huge patches of grass. So mm-hmm. this horse is just kind of inching, you know, a little bit by little to uh-huh. go after the little sprouts of grass that are coming up. And that's what's guiding the horse because the horse is hungry. Yeah. So eating what little grass there is, the horse just has to go from patch to patch to patch. And that's what's, you know, getting further and further away from the tree. You know, mm-hmm. it's a really, um, Alfred Hitchcock would be proud. Oh yeah. Of that. I thought that there's, was great. There's a lot of, uh, suspense filled moments yeah. in this movie, as we will see. Again, I, we're, we, we keep referencing the girl who got rattled yeah. because <laughs> it just had so many good things in it, but. Yes. Uh, let's let's finish this one off. Uh, how'd you like uh, near Algodonies? Oh, I thought it was great. I, just, I especially uh, thought the ending was great. You know, when he looks out over the crowd, and mm-hmm. at, in a sea of, um, you know, all these faces, all these people wearing these like dingy outfits. Right. There's this beautiful woman in blue that just stands out among all of them. And she smiles at him. Yeah. And he says something like, now there's a pretty girl. And then he gets the the hood over his head, and then he gets hung. Yeah. And that's it. It goes Screen goes black, and that's it. That's, uh, that's the philosophical side of the cones right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we're, we're all pretty much at the... Uh, we all, we're, you know, we're all pretty much going to end up that way, and... We all distract ourselves with whatever we can that's in front of us. Isn't that isn't that great? Isn't that poignant? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's... It's it's, and you know something is this guy. I I really like this story, but I thought it was like one of the lesser ones compared to the uh, compared to the rest of the movie. Um, yeah, especially the next story that comes up: meal ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I got mixed feelings about this one. How about you? <laughs> you know what? It, it reminded me so much. It could have been directed by Takashi Maike. <laughs> wow. Because it's, the, it, yeah. it's fucked audition? up. Yes, audition. Yes, the audition <laughs> director. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of fucked up thing that he would like. <laughs> but man, oh man, this one has, I think, the biggest star of this um, film is in this one. This is um, right. this is Liam Neeson, right, right, who plays a. He's kind of like this traveling impresario. Yeah, that's right. Who's got this show where he uh, uses this? Uh, now it's interesting because you see him set up the coach. You see him set up the stage and set up the lights and all that stuff. Puts this chair on the stage, all this stuff. So you're wondering what is, you know, okay, it's a show, but what is the show? And then you see that he's got this legless and armless young man that recites poetry and, um, you know, Shakespeare, um, Ozymandias, uh, the Gettysburg Address. Right. <laughs> he has this repertoire of um, of speeches and things that he yeah. delivers to the crowd. I met a traveler in an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command. Tell that it sculptor well those passions red, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them, and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. And at the end, Liam Neeson goes around with a hat and collects money and all that stuff. Um, Mm. You see the process of this play out, and then you also see the in-between time of Liam Neeson caring 
for this young boy. Right. And it's laborious and, and it's it's a lot to do for a uh, a young man who is otherwise completely you know defenseless and in, and incapable of supporting himself. Mhm. And um until one performance <laughs> where like, three people show up. Right. And um they have no money, they have no intention of paying. But then he discovers there's a huge crowd forming across from him. Only he goes yeah. over and sees what it is. Yeah. And that's what I do. Oh, no. This is not going to end well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he basically um, finds this man who has this chicken that predicts numbers or, or calls out numbers that or taps on numbers that people call out. Right. And then Liam Neeson buys the chicken. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty much and then when you see and then you see the in between time there where the only thing Liam Neeson has to do with this chicken is open up a bag of feed, sprinkle some feed onto the ground, and that's it. That's all he has to do. And yeah. then you see he uh, stops the carriage by this bridge. He gets out of the gets out of his carriage, starts looking around, and that's when I I knew I was just like, oh no, fucking hell, are you kidding right. me? He tests out a rock. Yeah, he throws a big boulder, or not big, but it's like a yeah, it's a huge rock. Right. He tosses it in, and yeah. then the, the kid is watching him do this, and then Liam Neeson walks back over to him, kind of stops in front of him, and just smiles. Yeah. Uh-huh. It fades out, it fades back in, and you just see the chicken in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that's kind of, that's really effed up, man. That, um, I, mean, I don't that, know, what, what was your reaction to it? Or did you find it funny, or? Oh, it was dark. It was dark? Okay. <laughs> it yeah, was I was very dark. kind of overcome with sadness, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, I mean, it is sad. Um, don't get me wrong, but, but my God, I mean, that was just, that was stark and dark. <laughs> yeah, that's... It, it was damn near a, pitch black. Yeah, it's, well, I'm telling you, it's, it's like, a, it's real survival out in the West. Yeah. You know, you can't afford to have anyone uh, burdening you, so... That's right. Yeah, it's rough. It's the, it's the uh, law of the West, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> the truth. Yeah, but uh, but that the uh, the one who played the uh, the armless man, uh, he, was, he was quite a good actor. I thought yeah. his uh, I thought his speeches were pretty compelling. Absolutely, um, and that's really the only bit of dialogue in that entire segment was um, the speeches that he was giving. Oh yeah, yeah. I I didn't think about that. You're yeah. you're right. That's pretty good. Yeah, see, they're not bad. The Collins know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> there are no hacks. No, yeah. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? This is Chuck Conyers, the one half of the Cinepod movie cast. And I want to tell you guys about uh, my first novel, my debut novel, which is available now on uh, Amazon and iTunes and wherever you buy your books. It's called The Maximilian Emancipation. In the not-so-distant future, three African slave ships slip through space and time to arrive on the shores of New York and New Jersey. Popular opinion is split on the cause of their arrival. Is it a scientific miracle? An act of God? A hoax perpetrated by a foreign government? Or something else? Maximilian Emancipation's a fun kind of... uh, satirical look at time travel. I'm a big fan of science fiction movies and time travel movies in particular, so this book is kind of like my homage to the grand sci-fi epics that I grew up with. It's a fun book. It's got a lot of fun characters in it that really move the story along. I love dialogue. I love writing dialogue. So, you know, there's some talky characters in this book. There are people who are reading it that are getting through it in like two or three days. So, and they're dying for the sequel. Look out for that. That is book two, World Time. World Slash Time. It's a visual thing you haven't seen. But you can get the Maximilian Emancipation 
any place you buy books. You can get the paperback on Amazon, and you can also get a version for Kindle. You can get a version for your Nook, your iPad, your iPhone. Wherever you like to buy books, you can go. Just enter the Maximilian Emancipation and look my name up, Charles Conyers, or you can go to my website, www.stopslaverywithtimetravel.com. You can get a bunch of information. I have a blog there, and you listen to this podcast there, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm trying to blow this website out. You're supposed to do that, you know, if you're smart with this self-promotion and entrepreneurial author stuff. So you've got to got to build your brand. So I'm working on it. So, um, but stop. You can stop by the website. You can go on Amazon. Check it out. It's called the Maximilian Emancipation. Pick it up, please. You, I think you'll dig it. Now on with the show. Now, what did you think of what is that? This is the that was the, that meal ticket was the third segment. So the fourth segment right. was called All Gold Canyon, and we t- oh, touched yeah. on this a little bit. But yeah, uh, yeah what did you think of that? I really like this one. Yeah. This is uh, this is so cinematic. Yes, I thought, and uh, suspenseful, and great acting by Tom Waits. Yes, yes, who, who carried that pretty much carried that entire segment. Yeah, all by his lonesome, and, and, you know, except for the um, and oh man, I I uh-huh. I kind of like hollered out loud when he got shot <laughs> yeah me too and uh, the moment that happened i was going oh man this is a really uh, it, it, they could have ended the story right there they could have but i'm glad they didn't yeah so i was surprised when he was actually like just faking him out yeah which is great yeah. that was a great reversal there i loved i loved that he survived uh, Yes, I loved it. I loved but what what did he say when he was washing himself? He said, "You didn't get anything important." Yeah, he said the bullet went right through. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like, uh, uh, it, it, that that must be the case. The bullet must have just gone through. It wasn't lodged in him. Yeah. And yeah, he fucking made it. I yeah. I love that and got a shit ton of gold too. That man was gonna die rich. <laughs> yeah. As reading up on some trivia here, I I see that was actually based on a Jack London story. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, so this wow. this may be the only segment that the Coens didn't originate, but it still felt like a Coen Brothers story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but that was such a great sequence. It's mostly silence. Yes. Except for Mister Pocket. Where are you, Mister Pocket? <laughs> Yeah. And gorgeous. I mean, yeah. it was so majestic and uh-huh. so beautiful. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really something. And that leads us to the The gal uh, who the, rattles. Yep, the gal of the hour right here. Yeah. My goodness, sir. Wow. I mean, that was they could have they could have made us into a movie. Yeah. If they wanted to. Yeah. Because uh the characters in here were like so believable and rich. Yep. You know, she was this um, kind of a shy, a little uh, repressed girl. Yes. And 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 her dilemma was great. You know, her brother died midway. Yes. So does she go? Uh, does she go forward, or does she go back to the east? And the uh, and the relationship between. Uh, what's her name? Alice. Alice. Alice Longabo and uh, Mr. Ar- and Mr. Arthur. Oh, I'm sorry. And Mr. Knapp. Yes. Was really believable. Yep. They do good dialogue. These cones. Yes. Yes, they do. And um, and the performances were fantastic. I mean, you yeah. really did believe um, everything that they were going through, even with Billy. Trying to, like, really sincerely caring for this woman and, you know, wanting to um, take care of her and, and also taking his own life and his future into consideration. And 
how he was comparing himself to Mr. Arthur and how he didn't want to end up like Mr. Arthur, you know, like this old grizzled man who had been guiding wagon trains for, you know, for years. And he didn't want to end up like that. He wanted a family. He wanted to settle down and he really wanted to move forward. The mm-hmm. One of the first acts of kindness or one of the first acts that kind of brings them together, uh, Billy and, and, and Alice, is involves the President Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> Good name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Which you kind of knew when he didn't shoot him, when he didn't shoot the dog, mm-hmm. that this dog would work its way back into the story somehow. You saw that. Yeah, okay. yeah. And also, I mean, after the dog ran away, like halfway through this story, there's one point where they hear the dog barking in the distance. And then you get the final instance where, and this is after um, Billy says to uh, Mr. Arthur, you know, look, I think I'm going to marry Alice. And I'm going to stay with her when 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 we get to Oregon, where they're going to Fort Laramie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, like everything's a fort in this. Like they're, they're yeah, <laughs> Fort Morgan. Yeah, all right. You know, there he had talked about uh, Billy Knapp talked about this grant that the government was offering for people who were making their way out to yeah. give give them a plot of land and give them a small stipend to help them, you know, settle and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's also interesting to see Alice open up gradually as the story yeah. goes on and she kind of be- comes into her own a little bit and she starts to glow a little more and, you know, she yeah, really goes through this growth mm-hmm. after her brother dies. Her brother dies while they're on the way out there of, I guess, tuberculosis. Uh, cholera. Oh, okay. Right. Arthur, Mr. Arthur loses track of, um, of Alice. Uh, doesn't know where she is and goes off looking after her, but and, and hears the dog barking. Yeah, and finds Alice on a horse with the dog. The dog's barking. The dog is barking at prairie dogs who are popping up in and out of holes. And she's sitting there laughing with the dog and everything, having a great old time. And that's when the war party shows up. Oh my god. And uh, I love the way that sequence played out. It was Yes. Amazing. That's going to be studied in film schools. Yep. Yep. I mean, he gets off, Arthur gets off of his horse, walks over, walks, takes a few steps towards the horizon where the Indian, you see the 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 warrior, the Indian warrior like way on like on this on this um horizon on this hill. And Mr. Arthur gives the peace sign, like, you know, p- putting up his hand. How? That's right. But then it's not reciprocated. Yeah, we got ourselves a fight. Yep. And the everything he just kind of locks into this process of getting everything together so that they can fight while he's telling her, "Look, you know this." Explaining, you know, look, this is you know we're in trouble. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna set things up here. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. And I love when she says, well, it's only, it's only one, it's only one, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, look again. And you just yeah. see, like, the whole um, hillside fill with them, and you're just like, oh, shit. And then the, the, the big moment, when they get ready to ride towards them, and then they have guns of their own, that moment where he gives um, Alice a gun. Take this. No. Take it. Take it now. Got two bullets in it. Ain't for shooting Indians. If I see we're licked, I'm going to shoot you and then I'm going to shoot myself. So that's okay. But if you see that I'm done for, well, you're going to have to do for yourself. Now you put it right there so you can't miss. No, 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 no. This is businessmen long about. They catch you. It won't be so good. After they take off every stitch of your clothes and have the way with you, they'll stretch you out with a rawhide and then they'll drive a stake through the middle of your body into the ground and then they'll do some other things and we can't have that. And we ain't licked yet. But if we are, you know what to do. And then 
this amazing fight that he yeah. has with these um, with this war party. And one of the th- the thing I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. was the thing with the prairie dog holes. Oh, because the yeah. horses kept getting the the um, Indians' horses kept getting tripped up in the right. holes. So he didn't even have to fire on all of them. Right. Especially the chief, which is the one he was gunning for. He he was even explaining to Alice, if I take out the chief, they're all going to fuck off. Like, we've got him after that. And then the moment where you see one of the uh, horses, one of the um, Indians' horses, riding along with no one on it. And oh, God. Mr. Arthur goes over, I'm assuming, to try to grab the horse. Right. And an Indian pops up from behind, from from um, from the side of the horse, and mm-hmm. smacks him with a tomahawk. Yeah. And then when the warrior gets off the jumps off the horse, goes over to Mister Arthur to skin his scalp. Mister Arthur picks his gun up and shoots him in the head. Yeah, it's the second time uh, a Coen Brothers character faked someone out with his death. Yep. And but yeah. Then, and that, I mean, it was it was fucking awesome. Right. And then the dog starts barking. Oh man! And that was when I knew I was like, no. And that's incredibly heartbreaking. Yep. Oh my god, man! Well, she yeah. did exactly what she was told to do. Yeah. And he was the one that gave her the instructions. Yep. Yep. Oof, that's rough on so many levels. And then uh, you get that final shot, which is the the painting from the color plate. Yeah. Of uh, Mr. Arthur watching the wagon train go out. And then Billy Knapp riding on his horse up to him. And then that last um, passage, that last sentence on that page, saying that he had no idea what he was going to say to Billy Knapp. Oof. God damn. Yeah. I mean, stunning. <laughs> stunning. That story alone is just worth the price of admission. Absolutely. I would have paid fucking $12 to see that. Just that. Yeah. It, it's, a, I mean, it was, I mean, what a, what a remarkable story. And, and so yeah. well told, well directed. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just it's technically brilliant. Yes, absolutely. And such a tragic story, uh, and beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautifully tragic story. Yeah, and the suspense, my goodness, yeah. with the uh, with the first Indian popping up on the hill, yeah. and then you see several behind him. Oh, yep. It's like wow! I was, was I, I have to admit, I was watching this on my iPad. Okay, I know David Lynch would freaking kill me if I if he heard that. Now, if you're playing the movie on a telephone, you will never in a trillion years experience the film. You'll think you have experienced it, but you'll be <clears throat> cheated. It's a, such a sadness that you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone. Get real. It's such a sadness. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, my uh, the uh, the hair on my arms kind of like stood up when yeah. the other Indians appeared. Yeah. Scary. What a what a fucking glorious what a glorious story. Yeah. Absolutely. And which is why the next story seems kind of a letdown. And yet, it's the perfect ending to this movie. That's exactly The mortal right. remains. Yes. Yes. The real, the only supernatural story that's told here. Uh-huh. If you, and not, not necessarily, that's not true. I think each of these stories is kind of bookended with a supernatural story. So the Ballad of Billy Scruggs was a supernatural story. The mortal remains is also a supernatural story. Okay. And it's basically the Grim Reaper taking his three passengers to the Pearly Gates. Now, uh, did you guess that they're all going to uh, the Pearly Gates? Well, when the horsemen wouldn't stop, yeah, that's when I knew. I was like, all right, this, there's something. This is... Uh, I either thought they were going to hell or they were going to... Um, 
they were going to purgatory, something like that. I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't just a simple carriage ride. I, I knew at that point. And mm-hmm. when they said, oh, the, the, oh, he, the carriage man never stops. That's what mm-hmm. I was like, all right, there we go. <laughs> yeah. The, the guy who was singing in the beginning of the, of the story. The Englishman. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, his claim about his profession. Everybody has a story. I love the trapper. <laughs> he was really going on with that yeah, story. Oh, my God. Some people say I'm <laughs> tedious. I know. But it was interesting. What it, what another thing that kind of tipped me off was that you basically had these three completely different people. Yeah. Especially when you when you think about the trapper. Yeah. Who was riding in this fancy ass stagecoach with the religious woman and the Irishman. I, I can't um I don't remember what the Irishman um Oh, you mean the Frenchman, maybe? There yeah, was a you're right. there was a French guy sitting next to the um uh, Yes the, uh, uh, that lady. Saul Rubinick, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the yes, the Frenchman. They were all so, like, maybe you'd expect the religious woman, the lady, to be in that carriage, but you certainly did not expect the trapper to be there. Yeah. So yeah. That, right. that, that, that also kind of tipped me off. Of, this is something, something's a little off here. Yeah, because they're so different. Yes. Um, but then when the Englishman starts talking about his profession. Yeah. And starts talking about his method of how his partner distracts the Irishman. His partner distracts while he performs the the deed. And that he also takes his people dead or alive. I Mm -hmm. thought that was also interesting. And that became more and more obvious, especially when they got to the location, number one. Number right. two, where the horsemen took off and didn't bother giving them their bags or their luggage or anything. <laughs> right. And then when they finally open the door, and you see the uh, Englishman and the Irishman dragging the, um, the the body that they had on top of the coach, yeah, up this staircase that just was just at, at the top of it was just this ray of light, mm-hmm. and that pretty much that was. You know, that was long and short of it. That that was um, that was heaven. Yeah, yeah, that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that yeah, that one didn't really land with me. It was um, it's interesting. I thought the dialogue was funny, but yeah, um, between this and the beginning of the gal who got rattled is probably uh-huh. the most Cohen-y brothery thing <laughs> dialogue-wise. Yeah. Other than the ballad of uh, of um, Buster, uh, Scruggs. Buster Scruggs uh, talking to the camera, his dialogue as well. Oh, and the uh, and when he was talking to the uh, the guy at the bar yeah. in the beginning, when he was talking about like uh, wanting whiskey. Yes, it's for outlaws. i have to watch that sequence again because it is just so funny yeah in fact i i will probably watch the whole movie again oh i will because netflix allows it yes (laughs) and no late fees and no (laughs) yeah and i don't have to put my pants on and you don't have to rewind it yeah that's the best part (laughs) pants free viewing absolutely So that's uh, that's the story. That's the story of the ballad of uh, of Buster Scruggs. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, what more can you say other than um, Mr. Zulueta on a scale of one to ten, sir? Yeah. What do you give this? What do you give a movie like this? What do you? What do you, what, wow. what do you rate a movie wow, like this? Wow! 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 Um. Well, like I said, it's um, it's the White Album. And yes. the White Album definitely is has its ups and downs, but I'm looking more at the ups here. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9.2. All right. Yeah. That's a yeah, rate. I think that's pretty good. It may go up or down, but but clearly this is one of their better movies. Absolutely. But probably top five right now for me. Yeah, easily. And, and do you say this is their best? Wow, I'm, I'm not really s- better than Fargo? No, I'm not than... I'm not saying it's their best. I'm saying it's one of their best. Okay. Yeah, d- definitely not their best. I mean, Jesus, at this point, 
what they keep putting out Barton Fink, uh, Fargo, Miller's Crossing. Uh, yeah. I mean, Hot Sucker Proxy, which is eh. <laughs> no one loves Hot Sucker no, Proxy. No, you're not allowed me. to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. Hot Sucker Proxy's cute, um, <laughs> but it's right up there with um, the Tom Hanks. What was the one that Tom Hanks was in? Uh, oh God, the Lady Killer. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> thinking with that i haven't uh that was like their worst one right uh what about burn before reading or burn, burn after reading. I, I saw that once yeah. it didn't really stick with me yeah mm, i didn't see intolerable cruelty yeah. did you yeah i saw that oh wow that was okay. probably that's probably their worst movie oh wow yeah really it wasn't very good well okay. even with george clooney in it. uh um but this picture sir yeah. This gets a 10 from me. Oh! Yeah. Ow! Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's a rarity here on Cinepod MovieCast. Yeah, it, it certainly ten. is. It certainly is. Uh, although I've given a couple of 10s uh, so far. I gave Pink Flamingo a 10. Oh, yes. That's right. I'm still pissed off about that. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> I was blown away by it. I mean, come on. (laughs) Nothing, there's nothing else like it. And and with this movie, I mean, what an ode to Manifest Destiny, um, an anthology western. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've ever had an anthology western before. Have they? I can't think of one. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of... The closest thing that I can think of is maybe something along the lines of um, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. But but even then, that's, it's not really an anthology. But there are a couple of different stories in it, I think, if I can remember correctly. Okay. And, All right. And it's also understanding that I was never... Like, growing up, I was not a fan of the Western. I did not like Westerns at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I saw The Unforgiven. Oh, yeah. But she also had uh, Saul Rubinek. Yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. And and I have to say, even with The Unforgiven, up until the last maybe ten minutes of that movie, I was completely bored by it. And when that last minute, when those, when those last moments came on where they were waiting for the lady to bring the gold, from that point on, uh-huh. it changed my view of that movie to the point where I've watched it several times afterwards. <laughs> it changed my view of the western. Uh-huh. Where after that, I mean, I watched you know Django. I watched um, yeah. the Good, the Bad, the Ugly for a few dollars more. Uh, Shane, you know, wow. you name it. I've I've seen it. I have because mm. I am actually a, a less than. No, I'm not less than. I am one chapter and an epilogue away from finishing my second novel right now. One of the next novels I'm going to write is a western. I oh, have wow. a, like a whole western series that I've uh, fleshed out and written over the last few years. And again, that came from the the fact that you know, again, up until the Unforgiven, which was like the early '90s, early to mid '90s, yeah, I had no interest in westerns whatsoever, <laughs> and. A movie like this, it really does. I mean, it is a fascinating story of the how how America became America, how mm-hmm. you know, and and the tragedy that goes along with it, with the deaths of uh, Native Americans through you know illnesses and disease that Europeans brought over, right. which killed millions of people, and also the slaughter of. Uh, Native American tribes, and also, especially when you're talking about the West, westward expansion. California to Texas was an extension of Mexico. It was, for all intents and purposes, it was Mexico. Mm-hmm. Until the white man came in, and those they didn't kill, they, uh, used using things like religion, tried to convert people. Because they felt that, oh, these people are savages. We need to rescue them. Which is kind of how the white man viewed every other race that wasn't them. Mm -hmm. They're like, Mm -hmm. let's use religion and enslave them and make them 
civilized. Wow. <laughs> you know, as if before things like uh, the Dark Ages, that you know, they they kind of forget that aspect of their history, where while Europe was uh, dwelling and and rolling around in darkness and and disease and famine. You know, the Aztecs, um, Egypt, Africa, parts of Africa were thriving for millennia before the rise of the Europeans, which is only in the span of world history, about two and a half, maybe 3,000 years. So it's not a lot of time that the the, the Europeans have kind of uh, have taken hold and colonized uh, much of the world. The, the, uh, this is all very new in our in our human history and when you look at a film like this that tells these interesting uh, and clever stories but yeah. you know under the guise of the fact that you know this is a group of people that have come from other worlds come from other lands and came into this country and started pushing out westward to frankly take this land from whomever is there for their for themselves and the foibles of of themselves the the tragedies that oftentimes self-inflicted tragedies Mm -hmm. and um you know the uh, also the the beauty of it It's, it's as complicated as life itself Mm-hmm. You got all that from this movie, huh? Yeah, well, certainly. Yeah, certainly. This... It, it 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 really needs to be seen. Uh, so I'm pretty sure the listeners at this point have seen the movie already. Already, but I hope they have. Yeah, <laughs> this is one. Of the, this is one of the great ones. This is one so of the best movies of the Netflix year. Has it. This is one mm-hmm. of the best movies of the year. Yeah, oh my gosh. This one, and Roma is coming out in a few weeks. I know. God, did you see the commercials on that? Oh my God, I yeah. can't wait. I'm so excited. And it's cons- the closest we have to a Fellini movie. Yep. It looks like. It's like, I can't wait. And considering what he did with Children of Men, which is beyond a doubt one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. The, the 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 beauty of what he captured in that film of unrest of a society falling apart okay don't spoil it for me because i need to watch that you've never seen children of men never sorry <gasps> i know time to turn in my badge oh sir okay oh sir Okay, this is this should be something we should discuss later on, I guess. It's it's damn near better than Blade Runner, sir. Oh no! Yes, yes, absolutely. You take that yes, back. no, I will not. <laughs> you know how up until that moment I saw that movie, and I saw that in the theater. How long I had been waiting for a science fiction film to be as good, if not better, than Blade Runner, and I walked out of that theater thinking, "Holy shit, this dude did it." This dude made it's it is a masterpiece. So uh, I'm telling you, sir, this year in film, I mean, think about it. Black Panther just came out in February. Oh, wow. It seemed like it came out a long time ago. (laughs) Right. Didn't it? (laughs) Because it's it's so good. You know, it's like it was like there my entire life. Yep. Our entire lives. It's um, yeah, February. You think people are? I mean, you think movie makers are finally getting it? How to make great movies? Yeah, probably not. But you, you know, as I think, as long as we have look, I mean, at this point, I don't know if you know. That's a good. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Is it's hard to say because um, our the, the viewing habits of the audience have changed so much uh i think how people look at film how films are made how how decisions about certain films uh, what what films are made and what films are not made right a lot of those things have changed so much yes so is that going to color the way that people um tell stories that they're going to tell right and um and i 
and look, only Netflix, apparently, I can only imagine that Netflix just threw a bunch of money at the Coens and are just like, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a rumor and some photographic evidence even that mm. David Lynch was spotted at <gasps> the Netflix offices a few oh, months. This was like a few months ago. I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if if Netflix gets David Lynch, then it's game over for Hulu and Amazon. Holy shit. Well, you know, Showtime got him. Yeah, that's true. And you saw what he did with Show- Did you see Twin Peaks? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, sir. Not yet. I oh, know. Sir. I know. He, <laughs> you are missing the second revolution of television. <laughs> so that's it, kids. Holy shit! This was a journey. <laughs> this was a yeah. wonderful, and this is a journey that was worth taking. This movie is wonderful, and um, you know that if you've listened to this and you've seen it already, it is a wonderful movie. Yes. So for that, thank you. So much for listening to the Cinepod Movie Cast. I am Chuck Conyers. I am Jose Joel Zoweta. And... You seen him? You play him. Ah, nice. Curly <laughs> Joe, the gambler, he will gamble nevermore. His days of stud and hold'em they are done. It was long about last April he stepped into this saloon. But he never really took to anyone. Surly Joe, Surly Joe, oh, wherever he's gambling now, I don't know. He was slick, but I was slicker. He drew quick, but I was quicker. And the table stopped his ticker. Surly Joe, Surly Joe. Surly Joe, Surly Joe, won't be missed by anyone with Surly.